All right, what's going on, good people? It's Mr. Sean. We come back for another episode for the podcast. And this particular episode, we are going to be covering Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. So let's go ahead and get it started. So you know what we always do. We always got to make sure to get that intro out of the way. So remember to always like and share the content. Bring your five stars wherever you're viewing it. And make sure to follow me. That way you know when I do drop my episodes. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get it started. Now, if you already know, Jujutsu Kaisen, its anime dropped last year, beginning of last year. It has now done its movie, which some people always ask this, like, why there's sometimes certain anime studios drop movies, and then they, they instead of just dropping another season, well, here's the thing. Um, let's go back to the Demon Slayer movie that dropped last year as well, um, the Mugen Train arc, and this one... Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is a, this one's a prequel, not something that's a progressing forward in the story. Don't mind me. You know the same thing. Sometimes you'll catch me seasoning food up in here. But this one was, was I guess, going to be very, very short. So they did a movie instead because the movie can cover it a lot faster than pushing out 12 to 24 episodes. And so that's why it became a movie to basically instead of just making it a season because it'll be a very short season and then it'll basically be kind of a flashback thing because they already started out with you know the beginning quotation mark because it's ain't the beginning beginning it's the beginning where we start at so that's the reason why they're doing it this way instead so this is a prequel going back to when you know we get a look at one character He's being harassed. He's being harassed by these group of guys. Typical high school bullying, etc., etc. Except this guy is like, it seems as though he's extremely frightened. But you start looking at it, you're like starting to think, why is he so frightened? And the thing is, he's not frightened for himself. He's frightened for other people because he keeps saying, or saying, someone is going, they're going to get hurt. Or you're gonna die. And him saying this was kind of like alarming because you're like, maybe he just he can't control his powers. Maybe his powers just randomly manifest. And actually, that is exactly what the case is. This guy has a cursed deity, well, a cursed spirit. Let's take about the deity that watches over him, that doesn't let any harm come to him at all. Unfortunately for the other people, they suffer a bunch of gruesome. <coughs> God, golly, that's decent. It's going to pack a bunch when I eat it. But the people, on the other hand, are going to be the ones that suffer. What end up happening in back all those years ago was that this man actually stuffed. Four high school students in a locker. They were gravely injured. Don't know if they died or not, but then we just see this figure, this this demon that's just like looming in the darkness. And the guy's basically had enough. And he wants to be put to death. So he found people who could put him to death. And the one guy, as we all know from the show, 
is the one basically going to handle out this execution. Reason why is because he's one that could particularly handle this execution. So that's exactly what happens. But it doesn't. He tells him, or you could just, you know, make use of what you got and become a jiu-jitsu sorcerer. This man actually ends up convincing him, telling him, you know, there will be a lonely life. And so the guy agrees. This person is Yuta Okutsuki. We're going to just call him Yuta because it's easier to say, say that in his last time. I can't say sometimes these names. Age foreign languages. I do the best I can. So Utah was basically condemned to death, but ended up basically being saved because this one particular person, Goju Santoro, is able to override the fact of his execution, which is basically a suspension until they deem him um he needs to die again. But so far, it seems that they're going along with it. So, he shows up for his first day of school, and there's already three other students here. We got one girl with the glasses who's got a bad attitude. We got a guy that speaks in rice ball recipes, and we got a panda that talks. And so, they all basically kind of give him like the cold shoulder without even seeing him yet or at first. They're just looking at, man, this man is going to be some sucker. He's probably going to be weak. Ain't all that. My man Utah opens the door. And he steps. And these guys experience extreme, like, fear. I'm talking about, like, fear, like a heightened level where fight or flight kicks in. This man barely walked in the door. Couldn't even tell these people his name yet. And they pounced on him, like, like straight up. The girl stabs Basically, like, stabs the the wall. Because I guess she missed. She basically missed. Then you get the panda on the other side. Then you get the guy who's talking rice ball recipes on the other side. They basically corner him like a three-way pronged attack. Like, the minute he do something wrong, it's over with. Here's the problem. He didn't know that. So, his lack of knowledge and their lack of knowledge... Basically, eh, should just, you know, clear up right then and there, right? Problem is, remember that little spirit, cursed spirit I kept talking about earlier when we first started this? Well, that cursed spirit didn't, didn't take too kindly of Utah being threatened with a spear and being assaulted. And basically took the spear and basically beat up the other three. To like show you like yeah we should probably never do that again. And so he tells the students that yes the spirit protects you to so it's best not to try to assault him or, or attack him. So they do their best not to unnecessarily bring that spirit out again. Because the spirit has been doing this for quite some time now. Like six years. So and our character 16 so from the age of 10 Whoever try to get too close and try to hurt Utah was severely and gruesomely deformed or beaten is the best way of saying it. Um, so that's exactly what we get. And so we get the names of our students 
that's uh that's being presented to us. We got Panda, who's literally a panda. Not really a panda. And then we got Maki Zenin, the 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 warrior with the spear. And then we got the other guy who speaks in rice ball technique, Togu Izumi. And each one of them has a particular type of style that they use to basically fend off, you know, curses. And first day, we get an assignment. And Maki is sent with him, with Yuta, to go handle a particular curse. A curse at an elementary school. The thing is, they said it. They said, basically, it should be an easy task for your first assignment. Gojo leaves them in there to basically figure it out. And then, boom, boom, bam, it's going to be an easy, quick work. At least that's what he hopes. And so Gojo actually explains to him that, you know, sometimes, you know, curses are, will reside in places with a lot of negative energy, particularly schools and hospitals, because there's a lot of negative energy there for them to, to form. Because if you already know, bullying and, you know, also putting in like suicides and, and everything else in between that happens at school. So that forms a lot of negative energy. And so these curses will manifest there. Then you got hospitals where you know the loss of loved ones, the you know anger of a loss of a loved one, and so many other deeply rooted emotions that happen there can manifest some very dangerous curses as well. And so what we end up getting is, you know, these smaller curses that's all over the place. We get a couple of other ones that basically. These bad curses talking about, I guess I say not bad, but kind of like a straight jacket curses talking about, put me on. They were very weird looking, and I was like, yeah, I, I, will, I will kind of feel some type of way about that too. If I ever seen some mess like that coming at me, talking about, put me on. And they running at me in, in like a group talking about, put me on? No, I probably won't. Well, lucky good old Maki was there to handle that. She made quick work of them. But then we also look at, these other curses. These other curses are relatively small, so they're probably weak curses that they could all just kind of just wipe them out kind of like one at a time, like taking their time doing it. But none of these curses are attacking. It's kind of like they're like on the defensive mode and you don't really know why. You end up finding out that basically our boy Yuta is actually scaring these guys. And it ain't just him. It's also that that cursed spirit that, that looms around him all, all day, every day. And so Maki kind of like just starts to like, just to dive in and say, give me your ID. What's, what level of sorcery you are? Because apparently there's several different levels. There's level four grade sorcery, level three, level two, level, I think it's semi-level one, level one, and a special grade. And right now, she's probably thinking, think, oh, he's just probably like a level four because he's just starting out. She sees it and she sees special grade. So he's at the highest level, but also the spirit is at, at the highest level too. So these smaller curses are afraid of Utah. So they're not going to do anything because they're like, yeah, we're going to die. Remember, most of these curses do have, you know, the like the thought of survival 
So they're not going to do anything that's going to involve them losing their life. So they're mostly just standing there in fear of approaching Yuta because they already know. But we're looking for a particular curse that would still attack a special grade curse because if they can consume the curse, they probably can get his power. We get this big blue curse that comes out from beneath the R2 sorcerers and basically eats them. Maki ends up losing her spear because just the just the way the angle, she couldn't get it. It was too big. She couldn't handle like she couldn't cut it deep enough. Lost her spear, went down into his mouth, ended up basically kind of like getting a wound on her leg. So with that happening, she ends up, you know, getting injured because of this. Then you got Yuta who fell down below as well. And he has no weapon. So basically, they're kind of stuck. But they also run into the two kids that were captured by this curse. So this curse basically trapped some kids in it and was probably trying to consume them to get more powerful. And in doing so, it basically lowered two sorcerers and is now going to consume all four of them and use them to better itself. Now, Maki can't do anything about this. She can't do nothing about another situation she, she's in because of certain reasons. But our guy Yuta can. But he has to summon something. He has to summon the spirit. And particularly the spirit has a name. He sums it calling out for Rika. And the spirit comes out. It's a, a black and white spirit. Curse spirit. With, with long claws. And like this, this thing looks grotesque and horrendous. And it basically carves up the other spirit that, that consumed him. Yuta saves them. And also, it basically destroys, you know, I guess you could say that curse and probably the other curses that's in the building. And it does this for over, what was the time again? I think I got to remember. It was for almost 10 minutes, for almost 10 minutes. It destroyed a school or basically caused havoc inside this veil. Luckily, the person who casted the veil was strong enough to keep it there. It was preoccupied while everyone else was being tended to and taken out of the veil. But for 10 minutes, this thing went on kind of like a rampage inside this veil. That's not a good thing. So that also means that there is tremendous power in this spirit with Utah, but it's also a complete downside because this thing can go on a rampage and probably just and kill so many different people. I mean, it's been doing it for six years. So this means that it can do this. It can do this. So it has to... It has to be kept in check. So, with that being said, our guy Yuta is getting a little bit of a flashback of his time from before. 
And what we end up finding out is there was a young girl who he was always with. And her name was Rika as well. Rika Armito. And those two played with each other at the age of 10 years old, or probably a little bit beforehand. And they were all very, they were just very, very loving with each other, and they enjoyed each other's company to where Rika made a, a proclamation for love to you to talk about when we get older, let's get married and live together forever. And they, they agreed. However, as you already know how most series are, tragedy struck. Poor Rika was hit by a car, and not only that, her head was crushed. So she wasn't getting out of this. She wasn't getting up out of this one. She she going, she going for the long haul. There's nothing nobody can do for her. But apparently, what was said is that Rika cursed Yuta to live with them, live with her forever, and basically she manifested into this dangerous curse that follows him forever. So that's what happens. And the higher-ups like of Jiu-Jitsu society are very, very scared of that thing getting out. Because for 10 minutes, it demolished a building. What happens if it were to last for two hours, 10 hours? Man, most of the place would be, would be devastated. Not many people could take it on. So it has to be kept in check. So that's one thing. And as we proceed more into the story, we get another chance for our guy to, you know, get some more experience. As a sorcerer, he gets trained up. And he's training with weapons with Maki. You know, she's probably just teaching him just to, you know, stay on guard until you can actually, like, defend yourself. And also, Gojo gives him a, a katana so he, at least he can, he can use the cursed energy from the Rika Curse Spirit to actually, you know, be helpful and be useful in combat whenever he can't use it for like, you know, you can only use that thing on like open open areas or basic areas where you can cause mass destruction. But if it's too many people around, you want to try to keep keep damage and destruction to a minimum. So he's trying to get him to learn close quarters with a katana. But this time he's going on a different mission with Izumi. The guy who speaks in, you know, rice ball recipes. And we actually find out why he does this. It's because Izumi has a very high level in cursed speech. Meaning, if he were to spew, like, remember how you always tell somebody to die? I hope you burn in, burn in flames. If he were to say that to you, that's exactly what's going to happen to you. So, like, if he would say burn... You're going to burn. He says explode. You're going to explode. So for him, he had to find ways to talk without actually speaking, without accidentally cursing you. Because apparently he's been doing this for a while and he had to basically learn a whole different way of speaking and communicating with his comrades without killing them. So that's what he's been doing. And him and Izumi with Yuta basically go out and are going to exercise him. Some curses at a local, uh, I guess you could say, I, what would you call it? 
outlet market slash town center. Um, so basically they wanted to remove it just so that there's no like bad energy in the area. But the thing is, while this happens, they get encased inside another veil that isn't one of the, you know, the, the, the overseer's veils. They get casted into another one. So as this happens, they go looking for the, uh, the curses. There's a bunch of them. So just like Omaki said, there's a bunch of weak ones. They always use to run together. They all get together and they all get put out by, by Izumi. By him saying, explode, takes care of business. Let's go back home. Now you're probably wondering, why did Gojo not have to go this time? Well, it's because he's sending him off with Izumi. Remember the ranking of the curses? Cursa sorcerers I talked about. Izumi is level two. So he can get summoned for particular missions without having to be backed up by, by an instructor. So they called him, and this also gives you an idea on the type of power difference between the rest of them are. But you know, as they always say, with a tremendous power is a big drawback. For Izumi, he can't use his speech like that without suffering great consequences. So it also causes very great problems for him, you know, like his esophagus and his throat because he may end up spitting up blood or he might actually, you know, cause him great, great troubles later on. So he has to be careful of that. So they are basically about to head out with Izumi with a deep, deep raspy voice and they can't get out. What they end up running into is some elephant, like, supreme deity trying to take them out by basically destroying them in a beam of light. And Izumi gets his finger, I guess, broken and dislocated. And so it's up to him and Yuta to basically figure out how a way to get out of here and beat this thing. Now, Izumi's like, I'll beat her on my own. But Yuta insists that he look, I'm coming with you. We're gonna take it down together. And so what ends up happening, Yuta runs the interference. He gets his cursed um katana. He starts going one-on-one with the thing. And so as it happens, they're they're going toe-to-toe. But Yuta, like I said, ran interference long enough to help ease me out. And basically, they managed to defeat. This cursed spirit. It actually was, I probably would say, a higher level that, that they were that it would have required for them to beat him. But because, you know, Izumi's like curse speech is so advanced, it managed to take it out. So that played a part in it. But we get an idea of who basically casted this, you know, this barrier on top of another barrier. So we find out who it is. It's someone who Gojo Satsuro knows, and he says he's one of the four uh, special curse, uh, you know, sorcerers. He's one of the four that was banished from Jujutsu High because this man cursed so many different people, and he was just, just doing a lot of mayhem and carnage. It's Geto Saguro. And so this guy can basically, as we get to see him, he actually can take the curse, manipulate the curse, and then eat the curse. 
And so with him doing that is he actually gets is what was later shown, he actually can use that curses as one of his own. So we get to see Gento just, just chilling in his own little temple, being weird. Because I ain't gonna lie, he's just being weird. My man's really gotta stand for his own armrest. That's that's a little weird and a little eccentric. If uh if I had to say anything. But as we get to see, you know, he does this for to collect spirits. That way he can go one-on-one with anybody. Because think about it. You send out a few spirits, cursed spirits. Eventually, they may be somebody. But let's just say you put that 10 and you ended up with 1,000. You send 1,000 out to be one person. Yes, they'll be able to beat the initial wave. But eventually, they'll be overwhelmed by the numbers. And it lets you like you're a super high, you know, sorcerer. Like Gojo, who actually could wipe out multiple different curses all at once. So, that all plays a part in it. So, he's doing this, and then we get an idea of just how dangerous he really is. He basically kills a man by having the, I guess you could say, his muscles and stuff getting, like, deformed. And he basically gets killed by getting the life sucked out of him. And then him being of his little crew, they end up, you know, planning a, an attack on Jujutsu High. He shows up with a few of his people at Jujutsu High School with Gojo and them backing him up. Because they basically say, he wants you to. And he basically says, look here, I want him because... I'm going to kill every non-jujitsu sorcerer just so we can all have, have peace on earth. That's basically what he says. But it was like, nah, we ain't doing that. You ain't doing that. Yuta says we're not doing that either because he insults Maki, calling her the weakling of the Zenin clan. So we end up finding out that why Maki is the way she is. And basically, she can't see cursed spirits without her glasses. And she has no cursed energy. So basically, she is just a person winging it with just, you know, naturally gifted reflexes and strength that she probably trained with. But, so with that being said, that's what we kind of got with her. But Ghetto is like on another level. It probably would be on the same level of what we saw early on when Yuta was first introduced to Maki, Izumi, and Panda. That he was like off the charts. They couldn't even stop this man from getting closely to Yuta. And so now he basically says on the 24th of December, there's going to be a day to remember. You better bring all the people you need because it's about to be all out war. And they do. Jujitsu High School on several different fronts and all their other associates showed up to go to war with all these different spirits and cursed spirits of every of different levels. And they basically they go they go at it. They go at it for real. But Gojo starts looking at it funny. He's like, 
I don't think this is a good thing. Because something don't look right to me. And so he sends Panda and, and Izumi back to go look out for Yuta. Because he's like, I don't see Ghetto. I know this man. This man is will be in center stage. Yep, I'm sending y'all back first because there might be trouble. So that's what he does. He sends them back. We get Maki and Yuta talking about Maki for a minute. She blushes because she's like, oh, man, you, you ain't about to make me do that. Walks out. And so we end up getting, I got Ghetto showing up and her and Maki finally clash. But Maki's just completely outclassed. Like I said, her not being able to use curse energy and her not being able to see curse energy, eventually she would really be beaten fairly easy, depending on who, who she goes up against. So that ends up happening to her. She's severely beaten. But before she can be finished off, Panda and Izumi run up and kind of start going at it with, with Getsu as well. And Panda and Panda leads the charge. And he goes at it for a minute. He even goes with his ultimate form. And, you know, he gets a few good blows on Ghetto, but Ghetto eventually puts him down, too. And then we get Izumi, who basically, he gets a good shot at him, too. And so, basically, everyone's kind of got a good shot at Ghetto, but Ghetto is just too damn powerful. And he really does show the power scale and the experience that played a part in these guys being defeated. So... These guys never really did stand a chance against facing Ghetto. They never did. Even the talent of Izumi, as good as his curse speech is, it's very limited. You can't use it for long periods of time, especially depending on the scale. But this is exactly what happens. So they're beaten. We get Yuta who comes out and see his friends beaten and like kind of like knocking on death's door a little bit for a couple of them. Um... And he just goes, he just wild out. And so him and Ghetto finally go to battle. And you're probably wondering, why does Ghetto want Yuta for it? He don't want Yuta. He wants Rika, the curse. Because for him, getting Rika would, would make him damn near also unstoppable. He's looking for specific curses to have that will benefit him later on for his, for his uh, march on humanity. His own little execute order. If you know, you know. But that's exactly what happens. So what you what happens on two different fronts is we got the main battle at Jujutsu High in Tokyo. We got the second battle that's really the secondary battle that's happening out there in Shinjuku. So we got people like you know, fighting on, on two different fronts. But we got a lot of sorcerers being defeated by curses. But we also get these two teenage girls who are basically have killed several, I guess, observers or basically like lower tier members of Jiu-Jitsu society. We even get to see some sorcerers lose their lives against like maybe like higher different curses. And then you, you kind of like see the difference of scale when you see basically grade two and above sorcerers start going at it. One of these grade one sorcerers will be Nanami. If you know Nanami, you've seen him in season one of Jujutsu Kaisen, and you see him go ham on one curse, 
that basically has killed at least three to four different um, Jiu-Jitsu sorcerers. Like, in a split of a second, he kind of just runs the fade with it. And then he also starts beat beat other curses. Then he basically defeats that curse in particular. Then you get to see someone like Maymay. She's defeating curses, but she's counting it up, which makes it a little weird. And basically, maybe it being paid. She doing this because she getting money. I ain't mad at it, She said, but I'm going for the full bonus is what. I ain't going to lie. That kind of had me laugh a little bit because that should not have been that damn funny. She said, yeah, I'm going for the full bonus. And so she just wiping curses out to get paid. And she's laughing about it. So what we end up getting is the, the secondary battle is happening little by little. We get an observer who basically runs into these two girls who's basically killed, I guess, other observers as well. And they explain their reasons why they, they joined Ghetto, like 15-year-old girls. Like they, they're saying, yeah, we're going to we're going to help annihilate. <laughs> annihilate these people. But you know, they're being backed up by another guy called Miguel. Who's probably the strongest out of the whole group anyway. But he's going up against one of the strongest members of Jiu-Jitsu society and Gojo Santoro. And I and we also can see that Gojo's a little bit more serious because he actually reveals his eyes this time. This one of them, he completely has Miguel just running around. like, And it, it gets even bad because at one point Miguel got too close and he's just getting hit. I'm talking about getting wailed on. Like, repeatedly. Like, you this man out here saying ouch. Like, who's out here saying ouch in the battlefield, bro? That, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. And so this man just gets getting his butt whooped. And he talks about, like, do you know how many curses, curse uh, sources I had to, had to, you know, infuse to make this rope? And it's just like, that joke said, I don't care. And he just keeps running a fade with him again. Eventually, the curses are probably subdued. And also... You know, they all retreat. So the secondary battle is basically concluded. So now Gojo's back, heading back to Tokyo to go save Yuta from Ghetto. But Yuta is able to basically keep Ghetto at bay at a certain point. And Ghetto's like, he's trying to keep Yuta at bay as well. Because he's like, I got to be careful because I've lucked out enough. But all it takes is one wrong move and I'm dead. And so, what ends up happening, Ghetto provokes him enough and actually uses his most dangerous ability, the Uzumaki, the Melstrom, and is about to kill Yuta. Because he's like, if I kill you, I can get your damn curse and claim it as mine. Because his curse is ever-changing. He even was able to use Izumi's curse without the backlash, really. But it's probably like it was probably like on like a wide scale, but it, it did enough damage to where it yeah, like it, it it got us point across. So we end up seeing that Yuta's basically going at it with um you know with Rika. And he's basically kind of at, at a sense, you kind of get the sense that Rika's starting to listen more into Yuta and Yuka has has basically kind of got her a little bit more under control. And he's basically trying to save his his classmates. And he even basically condemns, you know, Ghetto. And also, you know, he actually confronts Rika by saying, stop hurting people. 
So we actually get an idea and look at him finally being able to stand up to what he has and accept what's going on. But he needs more power to beat Gento and his Uzumaki Maelstrom. He turns to Rika and he apologizes and tells him, look, I'll do whatever it takes to save my friends. I even die with you. And Rika agrees. And she uses one of her most powerful techniques. And it goes one-on-one -on -one with the Maelstrom. But it beats the Maelstrom and basically defeats Ghetto. So, Ghetto gets away. I mean, basically with his life. Like, he basically got defeated. He lost, he lost a good part of his arm. His face has been... Has been uh, disfigured on the right side, but you can kind of tell he ain't getting very far. Like my man basically stopped, and it's one little alleyway because he already knew he wouldn't get very far, especially with all the damages that that he had. Uh, what the hell? Um, is all the damage he racked up in this battle because it's like he's basically he kind of escaped with his life. And he knows he did. He wasn't going to get very much farther unless he could, you know, use one of his techniques. But he's probably like all out of gas right now. Only problem is he ran into the one person he didn't want to run into. He ran into Gojo Satoru, who counted him in the alleyway. So Gojo and him have like exchange of words. Getsa returns the ID card that he found to find out about um, Utah and gives it back to him and basically says, man, just go ahead and take me out of my misery, man. And off screen, we basically see, or well, more or less here, we hear that Gojo basically kills Ghetto. And while that happens, we get a Yuta who's waking up from his injuries and whew, Oh man, we even see Rika returning back into her, her human form, and we get an idea of why this happens. Is actually Gojo shows up and tells him, "Yeah, man, remember what you said before about that you cursed her?" Because he says it in a little instance after his first assignment that he believed he had cursed Rika, and it actually find out is that actually Gojo and Yuta are like they're related. They're close relatives from a previous bloodline. So Yuta has the potential to be a great soldier just like Gojo is. And so it makes a lot of sense about why um, why originally Danrika became what she was and why she was so powerful. It's because of him cursing her. Him cursing her and basically... It has allowed him to like, have the spirit that protected him all this time. And he was going with her to die, but Rika said no, and she forgives him, and she passes on and moves on. So, and that's basically where the story ends for the prequel, until we basically, we fast forward a few years, and then we're now we're at the, like, the first episode of Jujutsu Kaisen, where we meet our next protagonist Yuji Itadori. But 
until then, you had to wait and watch, watch Yuji Kaisen to get an idea of how Yuji Ijidori is. But so far, I did like the fact how this movie came out. This movie was very, very... It kept a very steady pace. But I will say, it, you can kind of tell it was fast-paced, kind of like as a movie would be, to kind of like hurry it up to get to like the main part that everyone's waiting for. And so... That's what I noticed about this. Cause I feel like we got like a quick episode with Maki. We got a little bit of of Toga. He's me. But we didn't really get nothing with Panda. Because Panda's thing was never fully explained. So that that's what that was. And so I think it just it could have just like, you know, had a little something there for that. But I don't know. But we have to wait and see what happens when, you know, season two comes out. I don't know when that's going to come out. I don't know if it's going to be this end of this year or probably next year. Probably will be next year. Who knows? But from what I can see, this was a pretty decent movie. You know, I, I had no real big complaints about it. I think it did what it was supposed to do. It gave you, like, an idea of what it looks like when sorcerers come together and fight Various different curses, and it also keeps it very real that people can really die fighting these, these things. So it, it did keep it honest, to, you know, to a format. So I gotta give it. It's a pretty good movie. I, I suggest if you into anime movies, you should probably check it out. Um, so with that being said, I will have to decide what is gonna be my next video I'ma drop. I might, I might do the update for Will Smith after the Oscar slap, but. I might do, like, another, like, movie that I had seen or some type of series that I've covered. But who knows? If you if you think, like, you want me to, to cover something and you want me to sit down and look at it, just be sure to hit me up on anchor.fm and you'll be able to reach me to... And I'll see what I can do about what you, what you tell me to look at or cover it. But until then, I'll catch y'all next time. Peace. Thank you.